Hey, Grace, we are in week three of the book of Ephesians. Super excited about this book. It's one of my favorites. And so I wanna break it down really simply for you. And here it is. Chapters one through three is all about our identity in Christ. Chapters four through six is all about living out of our identity in Christ. Another way of saying it is, chapters one through three is all about what God has done for us. And the rest of the book, chapters four through six, is all about what we do in response of what God has done for us. So super excited about that. So I just have a question. Do you ever talk to somebody who you have similar interests with? Like, I'll give you an example. There's a guy who started attending our campus in Oviedo. His name's uh, Dr. Richard Poole. We were hanging out and talking. He was like, man, I, I love to play tennis. And I was like, dude, I do too. As a matter of fact, I used to play in a league in Georgia. And like, we played every week. It was fantastic. I was like, I'm not that good. I'm not great, but I can play. And he goes, yeah, I played in like high school or something years ago. It's been a while since I played, but like love to do it. I'm not great either, but I can definitely play. So we decided, hey, let's, let's go. And so we started hitting around one afternoon and we were playing as the first set, right? He beat me six to one. Now, if you don't play tennis, that is getting destroyed, okay? So it's six to one, first set. And I was like, oh man, all right, I gotta bring it back. So next set, six, two. And let's just be honest, like he was just being nice to me. He just gave me an extra point to make me feel a little better. So the next time we were kind of hanging out, he was like, hey man, we should play tennis again. I was like, no, we shouldn't. Like, not at all. I, I don't, I don't want to play tennis. With, let's just be honest. You don't want to play tennis with me either. What's the picture here? The picture is that we both were saying, hey, we're not that good. But when, when I said it and we, when he said it, it was way different. Relatively speaking, we were on different terms. We were on different pages, right? It's the same idea as someone who says, hey, I'm a Braves fan. It's this person who, like, depending on who it is, it can mean drastically different things. So one person can say, yeah, I'm a fan of the Braves, like baseball team, and I wear a Braves hat twice a year. Another person could say, yeah, I'm a Braves fan, and I go to two games a year. And then it could be like my buddy whose brother in 2016, he was the fan of the year for the Braves baseball team. He went to all of the home games, went to 10 to 12 away games. And whenever you see him, he's talking about the Braves in all social settings. You see the difference? You see the scale? One person says, I'm a fan. And another person says, I'm a fan. And it's drastically different. There's a gradient between them or take paint colors. So Gene and I moved to Avito about a little over two years ago, and we were like, man, we got to paint our house. So let's pick out a color. And I was like, I love gray. It's gonna be simple, right? We'll just do a gray color and we're done. Wrong. There's like five trillion colors when it comes to gray. Thank God my wife took care of that because I would have been sitting there staring at all these pages going, I have no idea. There's like no difference between them, right? There's a sliding scale when it comes to the color of gray. Here's the thing. In our text today, Paul is not gonna be speaking in relative terms. No, no, no. Paul is gonna be speaking in an absolute terms. And so that's where we're headed this morning. He's gonna speak absolutely, and he's gonna highlight the love of God for us. That's the picture. And that what God does for us radically changes our situation. 
And so our big idea today is, is this. We were spiritually dead, but God made us alive. We were spiritually dead, but God made us alive. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, maybe that's you and you're spiritually dead. My hope is is that you'll hear the message today and God will make you alive. Or maybe you're here and you're a believer and and you feel spiritually dead. Like everything about your life just feels like, man, I don't feel like I'm alive at all. Hopefully by, through this message, through this text, that you'll be reminded of the love that God has for you and that he has made you alive and that you will feel radically different going into this week. And so wherever you are, I hope that you'll see a fresh look of God's love. And so let's take a look at the text today. We're in Ephesians chapter two, verse one. This is what it says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That is a strong indictment. I mean, that is huge. That's a big deal, right? There's no sliding scale. It's not relatively speaking. He says you are dead, dead in your sins and your trespasses. And so Kyle, if you would bring out, I've got something for y'all today. So Picture this for just a second, okay? Take a look at this doll. This doll's not living, right? For all practical purposes, it has no life, so it's dead, okay? That's the picture that Paul is trying to say to us. I mean, think about it. If I snap my fingers, is this doll gonna get up? No. If I shake it, is this doll gonna get up? No. If I yell it, hey, wake up, what are you doing? Is this doll gonna get up? Is it gonna become alive? Is it gonna have life all of a sudden? And the answer is no, absolutely not. There's no sliding scale. You're either dead or you're alive. You either have life or you don't have life. That's how Paul speaks of it, of our spiritual state. Think about it. You can be a little bit good at tennis. You can be a little bit hungry, but can you be a little bit dead? No. You can't. It's an absolute thing in our lives. It's an absolute state. And so thank you, if you would take that back. Um, So that's the picture. Paul is saying that we're spiritually dead, that that's our state, that that's where we are. And so then he says this, he says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. That image of trespasses really resonates with me. So I'm gonna ask you to do something in just a second. I'm gonna ask you a question. I want you to respond in the chat, okay? How old do you think I was the first time I had the cops called on me? So go ahead and just drop that in. You could say, I'm gonna give you a minute, but think about it. How old was Clint when he had the cops called him the first time in his life? I'm gonna give you a little hint as you're typing in. Remember, if you haven't heard my testimony, I was dealing drugs at age 13. So yeah, y'all have fun with that. So here's, here's the story. I was in kindergarten, 
five years old at a private school called Tattnall. School was finishing up. We were going out, you know, where you sit out and you wait for your parents to come and pick you up in their car. So I was sitting out there and I was talking to one of my buddies and I was like, hey man, uh, listen, I got a fort in the woods back there. It's gigantic. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's this really cool fort. We should go check it out. So he's like, yeah, let's go check it out. So we literally leave the school. We're walking and, you know, there's all these trespasses sign. You can't, you can't cross over, all those things. So we cross over and I'm like, hey man, the fort's back here. So we're walking, an hour passes. We're hanging out, we're throwing sticks, we're having fun. And he finally goes, man, where's the, like, where's the fort? And I was like, oh, it's right around the corner. Another hour passes by. And finally, I'm like, hey, I can't find the fort. And he's like, all right, well, let's go. So we go back to the school. Guess what? My parents are waiting. His parents are waiting. The principal's waiting. All of the administrative is there. The cops are there. And I'm going, uh-oh, <laughs> like, I'm in trouble. And, and so what's the picture? The picture is, is that my parents are incredibly mad. His parents are incredibly mad. The administration's mad, right? Why? Because I lied to this boy and told him there was a Ford in the back. And guess what? We went where they never intended for us to go. And we did what they never intended us to do. That's the picture here. God says that you are dead in your trespasses. What that means is, is that we do things that God never intended for us to do. You see, you hear that? And we go places and we do things that God never intended us to go or do. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Sins is often defined as missing the mark. I think that's a piece of it. There's another piece. I think it's like a disease. It's this thing that we can't get away from. And we need healing. We need help. We need something supernatural to change our state. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And then he goes on. He, he continues this argument. He says, verse two, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So this is, this is significant. Verse two, he says, in which you walked. So you're dead in your sins and your trespasses, in which you walked, in which you once walked. He's speaking of Old Testament language. All throughout the Old Testament, walking literally means living out or having a lifestyle that we would walk in obedience to God's commands in the Old Testament. It's the lifestyle by which you live. So he says, listen, in your, when you're dead, you're living out a lifestyle of sin and trespasses in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, I don't think he's being literal, like literal dirt, literal land, literal creation, literal world. What he's saying is, is that you followed the course of the sinful things of this world. Then he says, following the prince, which I believe is Satan here, who John talks about as the ruler of the earth, the ruler of this kingdom, the ruler of this air. And so he says, following literally Satan. Strong indictment, right? Following the ruler of the power of the air. The readers at this time, the listeners actually, the listeners at this time would go, oh yeah, I, I'm 
familiar with this. When he says the ruler of the power of the air, there was this belief back then that spirits and demons and whatever were in the air. So the power of the air, the spirit, which it can also be translated wind because it's invisible. You can't see a spirit. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's a Jewish way of saying disobedient people. So what's the picture? The picture is, Paul is saying, hey, listen, you were dead in your sins, in this, in this lifestyle that you walk, following not God, but following Satan, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at works in disobedient people. That's a, that's a bleak reality, but that's the reality apart from Christ. And then he goes on, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, our body, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Here's the picture. We are in bondage to sin. There's this overwhelming force that is leading us, pushing us, drawing us, tempting us to sin and to disobey and walk in a way that God never intended us to walk. And it says our destiny is the wrath of God that one day our eternal destination is gonna be God pouring out his wrath on us, that Jesus will return one day and judge the living and the dead, that we will all be accountable before God. And apart from Christ, we are destined for wrath. It's a strong language, but notice this. Says verse four, the very beginning, but God, but God. God. We need this. I want to stop right now and I want to ask you these things. I mean, think about your situation in the last month and a half. Maybe you're saying, we lost our jobs, but God. People are sick, but God. My family member who is struggling right now is about to get a rapid COVID test, but God. I don't know my kid's future when it comes to schools, but God, right? I mean, that's the picture for us. And here's the thing. I want you to just drop down. I want you to think about your situation. Who in here can testify? Who's listening that can maybe drop in the chat and say, I was addicted, but God. Would you do that now? Would you testify to God about what he's done in your life? Maybe even the last month, I went through this, but God. It's incredible. We need to hear that, those words, but God, because here's the thing. The greatest problem you and I, all of us will ever face is listed in verses one through three, that we are spiritually dead. That's the greatest problem you'll ever face, that you are alienated from God and that your eternity that your destination is the wrath of God apart from Christ. And then he says this, but God, so your greatest problem, no matter what you're facing right now, that's it. And God says, I'm going to take care of that, but God. Watch this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. You see where he's picking that language up again from verse one? 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For it's by grace you have been saved. And then he keeps going and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna stop right there. So, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he's loved us by sending his son, right? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. So we were dead, but we're made alive in Christ. And and so what he does is at this point, he then explains what it means to be alive. For it's by grace, that means receiving what we don't deserve. It means receiving Jesus' death on a cross on our behalf that we would be forgiven, that we would be set free. By grace, you have been saved. By Jesus' sacrifice, you are saved. And then he spells out what makes us alive together means. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Notice those two things. It's in the present. There's so many other scriptures throughout the Bible where Paul talks about and other people talk about that we are resurrected and will be one day resurrected with Jesus, that we will be like him and with him and that we'll be with him in heaven. We know those things in the future sense, but notice how Paul does this. He says in the present and raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's this sense in which even right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you have authority that you're seated in the heavens next to Jesus, right? That you, it's this incredible thing where he's raised us up with him, that we have a heavenly mindset, that we have an other mindset. It's this picture of power and authority over all the things previously stated. Think about this. What is all the stuff that he says? We're dead in our sins. We, we carry out our flesh, we follow our mind, we follow everything about us. We, we even listen to Satan, the father of lies, right? Now, we've been made alive, which means we no longer live that way. We no longer are under their influence in that way. Even right now, not perfectly, but right now, if you're listening and you're a follower of Jesus, you have authority over that, over sin, Satan, all of that because you have Jesus. It's incredible. Then he says, he goes on, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For grace, that thing that we don't deserve that we receive, we've been saved through faith. It's the means by which God brings salvation, through faith in Jesus. And this isn't of our own doing, this is a big deal. There's this misconception when it comes to Christianity that man, if I go to church enough, if I'm good enough, if my good outweighs my bad, that I'm saved, that that I'm good with God. And Paul's saying it has nothing to do with how good you are. Remember chapters one through three, it's all about what he's done for us. That's what we're focusing on. God makes us alive through his son, through faith in him. Not what we do, but what he's done. There's no amount of good works. Remember when I had that doll up here? There's nothing that we can do 
to become alive. Only God can do it. And he does it through our faith in him, right? Think about this. I mean, that's significant for us. It takes an act of God. And I'm gonna read this verse again to you. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So verse 10, we, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a full circle here. Verse one, he says, in which you walked, that sins and Satan and all of these things you carried out in your life. You walked in these ways, but watch this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were dead but God made us alive. And what that means is, is that we are walking differently. We're living differently. And that he prepared in advance beforehand, before we were even born, things for us to do, ways in which we would serve him, ways in which we would love him, ways in which we would make much of God. There's a complete turnaround. It makes me think of a guy named Charlie who started attending our campus, I don't know, a year ago. He got baptized about six months ago, gave his life to Jesus, and now his life looks radically different. His dating looks different. He's thinking in the lens of purity and that, that my life changes in that way. He's reading his Bible. He's showing up to men's theology. He's showing up for discipleship groups. He's, he's plugging in and saying, God, where would you have me go and what would you have me do? He had a complete life transformation. The first time I met with Charlie, he had a thousand questions about God and he was very like, I, I don't know how I feel about all this. I don't even know if he's real, like the whole deal. And now he's saying, how do I live for Jesus? Because he's loved me so much. And so this weekend, man, I, I want y'all to think about that. If you remember at the beginning of the message, I said that I wanted to encourage those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, that our hope and our prayer is, is that you would be made alive in Christ today. And so I want to give you an opportunity today. So this is our first steps weekend, and we'd love for you to take your first step towards Christ today. And so there's a thing called the gospel. And it's what we just talked about in this passage that we all have sinned against God, that we're dead in our sins, but that God 2,000 years ago sent his one and only son. His name was Jesus. And he lived a perfect life, the life that we could never live. And he died on a cross. He died the death that we deserve. And that one, that three days later, he rose from the dead. And that whoever would put their faith in him has life, can be forgiven and set free. And so if that's you today and you're going, man, I know that I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm broken. I know that I resonate, that I'm not alive. And I want to be alive. And so as he says in the text, it's by grace through faith. And so if that's you today, I want you to pray with me and for the first time, give your life to Jesus. And so if you would do that, let's pray. Father God, I recognize, you can pray with me. Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I've sinned against you and that I need you, Jesus, to save me. 
And I believe that you came a long time ago and died on a cross for my sons and that you rose on the third day. I believe that you can make me alive. Would you save me? Would you change me? I surrender to you. I no longer wanna live for myself. I want to live for you as my savior, as my rescuer. And so I trust in you now. God, I thank you for saving me, forgiving me, and making me now. Lord, I love you and I praise you, amen. And so, man, if that was you today, thank you so much for responding. We're so excited about what God's doing in your life. And listen, if you want to chat more or even to let us know about it, there's gonna be a number on the screen that you can text in. We'd love for you to do that. So thanks for being here. We love you guys. We'll see you.